1: From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's November 26,
2: 2021. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza,
0: And I'm Scott Long. Happy Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble. How's it going? Turkey Day. Uh, you know, I, I always start off this day by re-watching clips of planes, trains, and automobiles, and uh, that's my favorite one is the rental car uh, scene where uh, the Ferris Bueller secretary gobble gobble. Ne- never saw
2: it. Spoiler alert, please. Oh
0: my! You've never seen planes, trains, and automobiles.
2: <laughs> I've seen excerpts of it. You know, like you have, like you're talking about what you do, like what you do every Thanksgiving is what I do. Uh, you know, I, what I've seen over my lifetime, I've never actually watched the movie. Um, I,
0: I, don't even I wh- to comprehend this information.
2: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I I saw your little Facebook post about it today, and I thought, yep, I, I can't can't relate. Don't know what he's talking about.
0: All right. Promise me you're gonna do this because you come to all this stuff way late, like making a murder. Like yeah, you know, yeah. That guy's probably been framed for seven other murders by the time the rest of us have watched it before <laughs> we to it. You, you make some time today, an hour and a half. I promise you, you're gonna love it.
2: All you're right. All I'll, I'll, it. I'll figure out. You know, I just finished watching *The Staircase*, which is very similar to *The Making a Murderer* and uh, another brutal, corrupt system that uh, screwed people. But um, yeah, I uh, all right, I'll, I'll try to give it a shot. But only if you promise to watch. Seven. You promise to watch *Star Wars*.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> the, the *Baby Yoda* one, I haven't seen that yeah, yet. Yeah,
2: the *Baby Yoda* *The Mandalorian*. Watch that one.
0: Because I can only subscribe to eighteen different streaming services now. That old uh, get rid of cable things a great
2: idea, folks. Yeah, exactly.
0: Be Twenty times more for TV now, and have no idea what channel anything's on.
2: Exactly, and you never end up watching TV. You end up just like looking on your phone because you don't. You're too lazy to turn on, and try to scroll through the menu to find something to watch.
0: I actually watch less TV now because I get so frustrated googling. Where can I watch? Man, man, whatever. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. Ended up not watching it. I'm like, forget it. I'm just gonna like, you know, read the newspaper. Exactly. (laughs) All
2: right, let's do poker now.
0: All right, this year's World Series of Poker has come to an end, and here are our final updates. Benny Glazier won Event 78, the 10K Raz Championship, for his fourth career bracelet. Previously in the series, he had a second, third, and ninth place finishes. Phil Helmuth made a sixth final table of the series, and I can't believe you didn't notice. I did. I, a I, L with I
2: that did. One. I did. You did it everywhere, and I just said, <laughs> "Screw it!" Either he's doing it to piss me off, or he's really stupid. So either way, you know, I don't know. I but you're
0: just a really itchy L button on my laptop, is what it is.
2: Constantly <laughs> putting extra L's where they don't belong.
0: <laughs> it's like Easter egg hunt for you. <laughs> Anyhow, Phil Hellmuth one L, uh, actually
2: three. one L and Phil two and Hellmuth. <laughs>
0: Phil you made a sixth final table of the series. Uh, Adrian Mateos won Event 82, the 250K High Roller for his fourth career bracelet in the highest buy-in event of the series. Leo Margetts won Event 83, the $1,500 closer to become the only woman to win an open event this series. Jeremy Osmus won Event 84, the 50K PLO High Roller, defeating Phil Hellmuth, 1L on the NFL. Heads up. Helmuth set the record for the most final tables in a series with seven. Daniel Negrano finished third. Josh Aria was seventh. Negrano would go on to finish third in the very next event, while Aria added a 10th place finish two events later. And Josh Aria is this year's Player of the Year at 11 caches, two bracelets, and two other final tables with 4,194.59 points. Helmuth finished second with 3,720.01 points and 10 caches, one bracelet, and six other final tables. While Daniel Grano, who hasn't won a bracelet since 2013, boy, I would have lost that bet, uh, uh, rallied to finish third with 3,531.03 points with 18 caches and three final tables. The World Series of Poker has started a new series of NFT auctions, which we don't care about at all.
2: Nope.
0: Uh, But if, if you do, it features famous clips from the series over the years. And finally, well-known Las Vegas tax expert Russ Fox has published his estimates of tax burdens for this year's main event final table. New world champion Corey Aldermere, a German who lives in Austria, very smartly for tax purposes. And two British final table participants won't owe a single penny in taxes based on U.S. tax treaties with those two nations and the fact that neither of those uh, countries, countries tax gambling winnings. The other players, who hail from the United States, Turkey, and Argentina, We'll see a good chunk of their winnings going to various governments, with High Park, who lives in New Jersey, likely to pay the highest percentage of his winnings. Okay, where to start?
2: Um, the only NFT I'd be interested in is, he
0: called me with Jack High! <laughs> Jack High! I think that's yeah. the one I would Wait, buy. Yeah, a little bidding war for that one.
2: Yeah, that's the one I might buy. Um uh, and maybe the Chris Moneymaker not knowing it's his turn to act and the whole world's looking at him and they all thought that he had a serious decision to make and he's getting yeah, ready I to fold. Those two I might consider you know, putting some cheddar down on. But other than that, yeah, I have no interest in NFTs right now. Um, <laughs> I tell you, Arie, what, what a remarkable year. I mean, he comes out of nowhere again. Yeah. Obviously, he's been a player the whole time and all that, but I mean, just to have this massive year. And every time Helmuth tried to one-up him to get it back or whatever... Reb right there with him, finishing right near him or whatever. It was a pretty remarkable year for him. Congratulations. Really phenomenal.
0: Yeah, he he was definitely a, a fly in was, uh soup this whole series, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> thought he was going to catch up, and then, and then you like you follow that. And like, hey, homies, at another final table. Oh, guess what? Josh already just missed the final <laughs> table, so that's not going to really help too much. Uh, so yeah, no, um, uh, somebody called him an unlikely player of the year. I don't know if that, that seems like a stretch to me. Um, obviously I think some of these other names, people probably would have thought of it more, but I don't, I don't necessarily think it's an unlikely, but yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. One, one of these great pros gets a, gets on a great streak. And then this year we had three of them. I mean, three of the most fantastic players we'll see finished one, two and three and they all had great series. So
2: yeah. Solidifying yeah. our, uh, you know, player of the year, you know professional player gonna do well in this World Series stuff, I mean, they really did just rise to the occasion um the other stuff on talk about uh, Leo Margetts, that's fantastic, you know a woman winning it's always always great when that can happen because then it just opens up the uh you know the the field to more women saying, "Hey, I think I can do this too," and getting them out there to play and uh that's a great thing um some of these other names I didn't really recognize, but they had multiple bracelets again this week. Everybody who won a bracelet yeah. seemed to have won their fourth bracelet. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's crazy.
0: Oh, and uh, I haven't heard New squawking about the player of the year uh, here at the end. I mean, I'm sure he probably was somewhere. But um, uh, it's interesting because he talked about when he had his first meltdown over here and it should reward final tables. Um, over anything else. So, I mean, you kind of look at it now, we kind of know some of the stats, right? So, Aria made four final tables. He made seven. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Aria had two bracelets. He only had one. Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, 11 caches and how many is that? 10. ten. I ten. Yeah. So, yeah. I, like, you know, I think we're between those two, I think we're really splitting hairs now. Um, would have been interesting if Negrano uh, would have cashed a couple more times. 18 cashes had more than almost as much as those two guys combined. Had he had a couple more cashes and actually been the player of the year. And I'm not bucking for an uh, appointment to the college football playoff uh, selection committee here by saying it, but uh, I would have a hard time stomaching a player of the year that didn't win a bracelet.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Yeah, that's I tough. mean, uh, still, 18 cashes is pretty phenomenal. I mean, no, that's no, remarkable, that. yep. remarkable. Um, I think you meant Negranu. You said Helmuse, but I think you meant Negranu when you said that. So, Oh, I'm
0: sorry. Um,
2: yes, yeah. And I, 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 this is what I want to bring up. So you had said when you read off Negranu not winning a bracelet since 2013, and you said you would have lost money on that bet. I would be interested in knowing how much Negranu has lost in side bets since 2013, where oh, he yeah. said, I'm going to win a bracelet this year. Because he's yes. done it. I know he's done it. We've even mentioned it on the show before, so...
0: Yeah, yeah, good point. No yeah. one,
2: no one would have thought eight years of him not winning a bracelet, especially with the amount of fields that there, are, amount of events now that there are, even around the world and stuff. So it is remarkable. But I'd really like to know how much uh, coin he's lost to that bet.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: You know, um, but another oh, World Series in the books. Does that mean the show comes to an end now too? Because nothing else to <laughs> talk about.
0: <laughs> no, there's going to be all kinds of stuff to talk about next week. It's just uh, there hasn't been anything else to talk about over the last uh, six weeks. So, so. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, you know, I didn't realize these, um, these tax uh, treaties and things like that. But, um mean, yeah, I guess I loosely remembered an article not too long ago about Germans moving out of the country to avoid paying taxes on it. But I didn't realize how stark that was. I mean, as a pro poker player, that's a big deal. Yeah. If your gambling I, I, winnings aren't taxed, I mean, why would you not want to like move to Great Britain or Austria or any other country that doesn't tax it? Because that's that's massive. Look at this. I mean, I didn't put the actual numbers here, but you're talking eight million dollars on top, and uh, Corey's going to keep all of that. Uh, otherwise, it would have been as much as maybe four million going to someone else, right? So crazy.
2: Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you knew, if you were a poker player, someone who's really you know, got a ton of money already. I mean, how hard is it to go buy a little home in Austria and don't even live in it, just do what you got to do to bare minimum okay. to get your citizenship okay. there and then then travel the world playing poker and everything you do, you get to keep your money. I mean, that's, that's brilliant.
0: Yeah. I you mean, know? it's almost like offensive that you wouldn't do that if you're a pro poker player. That's pretty sad to say, but... You know, I mean I, I can't imagine fading that. I'm like, you have to like really love your country to want to give them that much money in taxes when you can go literally across the border yeah. from, uh, Germany and Austria and, and establish residency. And again, I don't know what that's involved, but obviously people have done it, so it's not terribly difficult, it doesn't sound like. So I don't know. Um, I guess long the, long. the last thing I'll say about the World Series it's over now. I mean we did talk about this like halfway through, but you know, a lot of this uh, sort of Damocles stuff that people were expecting this year ended up not happening, right? Yeah. So yeah. there didn't seem to be any, like, real outcry over COVID. There was, like, one brief skirmish that we even talked about in the show but I couldn't really understand where some of the players were complaining about somebody lying about their COVID status. But other than that, I didn't hear any any, any big problems. And, you know, and then the people that whined them all was Mike Mattis. Style. He cashed in one of the last events. So either he decided to get his shots after all or you know, shops in the same black market as Antonio Brown. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it ended up being, you know, we, we talked at the beginning the Poker News predictions uh, that COVID was going to be the big story this year. I don't think COVID was a big story this year after all.
2: No, I agree. Oh, I think I agree. it was I the, it the was play, the of, play. The, of the pros yeah. and, yeah. and uh, just that there were no issues. That's probably, if you want to say that's what it was, it's like the Friends episode when, uh, Monica, said, when uh, Monica learns that she gives the best worst massages. Yes. <laughs> you know, COVID was the story, but only because there was no story. You know, yeah, there really yeah. wasn't.
0: Um, you know, I, I didn't see the final totals, but uh, you know, midpoint they were down twenty percent. I'm going to guess that number uh, came down a little bit um, yeah. with the with the change in travel at the end. So, um, which is really kind of in line where we thought it would be. And you know, I mean, anything that drops off ten percent or even five percent is usually noteworthy. But I don't think this year. That's noteworthy, um, you know, with the, the travel restrictions and the the vaccination requirements. I mean, that's, I think that's a pretty good day at the office that you're only down 20 percent. So, yeah, And as we mentioned, too, they they had trouble staffing it anyhow. So I don't think anybody's really upset at Caesars that <laughs> they were down 20 percent this year. Sounds like it worked out as a, as a pretty good series. So
2: another interesting <laughs> storyline that will come up now, I think, is the fact that they're moving it over to the Strip but they're doing it in such a quick turnaround because the World Series is going on right now in November, whereas now they've got to turn it around by summer, whereas usually they have a whole year to do it, and they're changing venue. So uh, it will be interesting to see how they handle that, and will they get the staffing you know, issue or whatever you want to call it corrected and I mean, you know COVID's still going to be an issue next summer. It's not going to go away by okay. summer. So,
0: Yeah, as much as we'd like it to, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's so. not
2: going anywhere. So it's, I mean, it's already endemic. I think we're going to see for the rest of our lives, to be honest with you. But uh, anyway, um, a great series. Thanks for providing all the uh, news content for us. And uh, <laughs> hopefully something will happen to keep the show alive. For another week or and then so.
0: also interesting about that too i mean we uh i've taken the reopenings off our show i think it's kind of run its course because we're almost at 300 yeah rooms yeah. reopen now there's only a handful of big ones that aren't there uh aren't going to reopen but uh i did read an article this morning that the flamingo staff had been told that the poker room there will not reopen um after the series it you know closed down so they could move the dealers over there but it's not going to reopen, so. It was an interesting article about what, what the commitment to Caesars is to poker now, because you know they close so many of their their poker rooms, but still host the the biggest brand in the uh, poker world. So, is that hypocritical? Uh, I don't know if it's hypocritical. I mean, you 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 uh, it's surprising, maybe. I don't know if it's hypocritical though.
2: Well, I mean, but. you host the biggest thing you in the world for poker, but yet you don't carry it in your own most of your rooms. It doesn't make it's weird. It's a weird thing, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I hypocritical yeah. is not the right word, but there's a word there that I'm trying to think of that it just doesn't seem right. It seems yeah, um, I mean
0: that could fill a whole other show because you could talk about. I mean, again, we, we've talked about this in the past: the, the quantity versus quality of, of poker rooms. So anybody talks about how you know there used to be 55 poker rooms in Vegas and now there are 35. Yeah. Is that a bad thing um, if the number of tables is still the same? Right. So I mean, if you've you know consolidated five five table poker rooms into one 25 table poker room. You know, other than the convenience of going to whatever one of those five rooms is closer to you, that twenty-five table poker room is probably going to be better for you as a player, right? So, um, so I mean, the fact that they don't—they, I mean, they haven't closed successful poker rooms, right? I mean, the Flamingo and and uh, O'Shea's and some of these other ones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they their purpose, and I'm not uh, ditching on them. Um, but uh, but but they weren't like iconic rooms. It's not like You know, uh, uh, Mirage and some of those rooms that used to be big in the heyday, right? So, I mean, they they were niche rooms. So, when the niches come up, it is what it is. So, well, yep, we'll see what happens, uh, come May when they uh, do it again.
2: So, okay. Uh Any updates? Page, the Anti Up Fans free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site, is available everywhere. Details on how you can join can be found at bit.ly/slash PAIPS. Games are on the 6th, 16th, and 26th every month and rotate disciplines with a main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars let you claim 15,000 free chips every four hours. Join the Up fans group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call-the-floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Up logo designs on merchandise at antioppmagazine.com shop. You can buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and much more with your choice of Antioch Magazine, Antioch PilgerCast, or Poker Tour logos. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast at or post in the Up Fans group on Facebook. As uh, a Thanksgiving special. We're going to complete an no O'Malley's move today. So let's hey, so a the new point part point one point to refresh our memories, and we'll see you on the other side.
1: Hello and welcome to another O'Malley's Move, I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing in a $2-$5, No Limit Omaha home game. I prefer the No Limit aspect because the bets tend to be more like No Limit Hold'em than Pot Limit Omaha, basically there isn't a perceived mandatory pot size bet every round. The buy-in is 500 and the game is 8-handed. The blinds post and we're under the gun with pretty close to our starting stack. We look down at the Ace of Spades, Ace of Diamonds, Jack of Diamonds, Ten of Clubs. Nothing much to say here, let's raise it up. We make it $15 to go. The plus one folds, the MP calls, the cutoff calls. This player is fairly new to Omaha, but is a very strong no limit hold'em player. He's catching on pretty quickly. He bought in for 500 and currently has close to 700 The button calls, the small blind folds, and the big blind calls. There's already $75 in the pot, and the flop is the ten of spades, eight of diamonds, four of diamonds. This is a pretty good flop for our hand. We have an overpair, as well as a flush draw, and a backdoor straight draw. When the big blind checks, we make a $50 bet into the pot. The MP folds, the cutoff calls, but the rest of the table folds. There's now 175 in the pot, and the turn is the queen of spades. That gives us even more outs. We make a $100 bet. The cutoff pauses, checks his cards, and seems to genuinely think for a time before calling. There's now 375 in the pot, and the river is the jack of spades. We missed. We do have the ace of spades blocker, and have improved to two pair, but we have less than a pot-sized bet in our stack. What's the move?
0: All right, the only logical bet for us to make is all-in, but I'm having trouble finding a justification for doing that, assuming we are okay with calling anything our opponent bets. If he checks behind, we see the river for free with a hand that has some showdown value. If he bets anything up to what's in our stack, it's the same or a smaller bet that we would make on our own. Uh, we don't have enough in our stack to push him off his hand, so the big reason for an open shove doesn't exist. So uh, I'm going to check call, I think.
2: You know, I don't really see how we're ahead here, but we do have the Ace of Spades. Um, you know, a thinking player might fold to a shove because, you know, we held the Nut Flush Ace. Um, I actually hate the turn bet, uh, to be honest with you. If we got to the river with no bet on the turn, we'd have enough here to make him fold on the river easily, I think. Um, so I, I guess I am check calling, um, but, you know, I don't know. A shove might do it, too. It just depends on on what this person really is holding. But I feel like we're behind and we don't have a shot. So, all right, here we go. Let's
1: see what happens. Hello again. I give up. We end up checking after a slight pause for some thought. Our opponent immediately checks behind us. Two pair, we say. Set, he responds, and turns over the five of spades, five of clubs, four of hearts, four of clubs. We muck and he rakes in the pot. We ask him later if he would have folded to a shove on the river. His response? Yes, absolutely. Probably. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying Omaha can be frustrating enough. Make sure you give yourself easy decisions. However, sometimes it's not as easy as it appears. I hope to see you on the felt.
0: Well, I'm kind of surprised to hear the opponent saying so quickly that he would have folded to an all-in uh, You know, before he eventually hedged that that statement um you know had i thought he that we had a prayer of that working i would have done an heartbeat but it just didn't seem like we'd had enough money to make it work yeah you know sets sets
2: rarely win in omaha you know and that ace of spades might have been enough to to make the bluff work the thing about that too is you know you you have a pair in your hand you're all excited about it you flop a set and then you lose you know that that happens all the time to you 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 always light up because you're so used to the hold'em way of thinking but you know that guy might have folded if we had shoved. But you know you you just can't you can't think of that. You know you you knew you were behind and I don't know it just wasn't enough. But the ace of spades that's that that bluffing card right there.
0: Yeah, and that, and that's a bluffing move for players who have been around the block a couple times in Omaha, right? Um, and that's the difficult here. Our opponent is uh, described as what a solid holding player, but new to Omaha, so. The problem with new players in Omaha, you got to figure out: do they overvalue their hands, or, or are they more scared than they should be? Um, and that's two different kinds of players, right? So, you know, if if we thought this player was more skittish than they should have been, that shove would have worked every day, I think. But but then you have the the flip side: you have these players that that haven't learned that a set is not great, right? So you would, you if you shove that player, they're gonna beat you into the pot, right? So. Yeah. It's really difficult. I mean, it's an important thing to remember when you have that that flush blocker that you can really do a lot of bluffing with it. But I think it only works against a really smart player, so or real experience at least.
2: Yeah, that's uh, uh that's tough. It's a hard, It's a it's a difficult game to play. I mean, it really is. You think because you have more cards, it's going to be more fun and easier, but it actually becomes more frustrating. And it's a very you really got to know what you're doing in this game. You know, I I. I like playing Omaha because I've gotten, you know, we, we've gotten in our home game or whatever it was, we have gotten pretty decent at it. But you know, I really, I really would just rather prefer playing limit hold'em. Believe it or not, I'm saying that or hold'em <laughs> than Omaha, especially PLO because you can lose. Or this was no limit, so you can lose a lot pretty quickly, making the second best hand or you know hold'em hands that you think are good enough and they really aren't. So. Yeah, like
0: reminded me there was no limit, 'cause let's just uh let's just tell people quit playing that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, stop
2: playing NLO.
0: I, I know why why O'Malley likes it that way, but it is it's a bastardized game. And again, if you go back and read um, you know, Howard Letter, if you still want to read him, like he made the point that in no limit I mean there's a reason there's pot limit in Omaha because in no limit you would you should shove with aces all the time and that's what O'Malley had here. So um, uh, I guess if you really want to analyze his hand, you know, in, in proper poker theory, you should have showed from the beginning. Um, but that doesn't make the game fun to play, so that's why they put the pot limit on rather than no limit. So it, it's a subtle difference, but you know, once you get understand it it makes makes more sense. Exactly. So, well, you know, hey, everybody hey gets to play their own game, so
2: <laughs> that's right.
0: All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands for situations. the podcast at antietmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you get a free membership to Advanced Poker training, the world's number one poker training site. It's been a long time, Chris, since we've had a situation. Yeah. We do this week, courtesy of Rich Bodner. And uh, so uh, it's a 1-3 no-limit game at Rivers Casino in Pittsburgh, eight-handed. Uh, he says, I've been playing for about two hours and sit with about 900 skittles. I have a reputation as a strong player. At one point, the player next to me in a normal voice asked if I had lost a hand tonight. I was playing well. I did not feel like playing tight. Just very uh, smart. And uh, since this is a uh, situation, we'll just read the whole thing and then talk about it. Because okay. I'm on the gun with uh, pocket queen of hearts, queen of diamonds. I raised to $15. Players uh, four and five fold, but player six raises to 55 Player seven folds. The button thinks for a second or two and calls. I call three players in the hand. Flop is five, seven, eight, rainbow. I check. Player six goes all in for 175 hours. The button instantly calls for less. About uh, squiggly 160. I think really hard about the situation and take about two to three minutes to fold. The button would not have insta called. I would have insta called. So he has more to say about this, but let's uh, take a break here and say, talk about what we would have done here.
2: Um, okay, so I, I you read it so fast. I'm trying to. Let me. Sorry. So one guy goes all in for one sixty.
0: The yeah, guy who so insta calls, how much does he have? Uh he calls for less, uh, one sixty. Okay, so
2: we have them both covered with a call of one sixty?
0: Yes. Oh, well a call of one sixty.
2: Oh whatever. Okay. But I mean there's 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 no more betting after this if we call the one seventy or whatever.
0: Just the three of us, yep.
2: Oh yeah, I call. I'm calling. Somebody somebody has you know somebody's bluffing, somebody's drawing. Or if somebody thinks their pair is good enough that's over the eights, but I I can't fall with queens here, you know. I mean I just I just for the amount of money that's out there, for the amount of money I'm up in a one three game, the max you're probably buying in for is three hundred. We're up three buy-ins, and I'm going to so I'm going to cost you one fifty to try to win six hundred with an over pair to a rainbow board. Yeah, okay. So if somebody has pocket sixes, they're on a draw. If somebody has a set of eights, then we're in two outer. But really, I I I'm not gonna. Fold to because if somebody had a bigger pair than ours, they would have re-re raised pre-flop. I think so. I, I I think I'm calling all day and twice on Sunday.
0: Yeah, I mean because you got to think. I mean, there's no flush draw here, so um, it's it doesn't make any sense that somebody flopped a straight with this board. Uh, someone could be on a straight draw, and that's fine. Um, so really, the only hand I'm really worried about here is one of those sets, that's probably likely only a set of eights. So. Um now you're drawing against two people, but uh yeah, you know, with my stack I think this is a tough lay down as well,
2: too. Yeah, I can't lay it down.
0: All right, here's what our hero said. He says player six uh uh has been at the table the entire time I have been. Uh player six was the first one to go in all in, by the way. Okay. Uh he was there before I sat down. He plays well and usually only plays premium hands. He, uh, he's been up and down uh the time I've been there. His main problem is overplaying high cards. As I put them on 10s, uh, jacks, ace, king, or ace, queen. The button has only been at the table for about 30 to 40 minutes. About four hands prior, uh, we took him for a squiggly 150 when we made a flush over two pair. This person has not played many hands since sitting down. He's played a solid game that I could tell. Here's where I had the problem. I cannot figure out what this guy is playing. There was very little hesitation with a preflop uh a uh, $55 call and an instant call for 175 I figure on the instant call, he has a high pair. I think, what is the chance he has jacks or queens when I have queens? And I think player six may have jacks. Thus, I'm thinking he has kings or aces. The turn is a deuce, and the, and the uh, river is a queen giving us a set had we not folded. Uh, player six shows ace-king suited, and the button shows pocket tens.
2: I, I'd forgotten about the re raise. For some reason, I was thinking it was a call of 15. My handwriting, it's so freaking cold here in Florida now. <laughs> that the, the first five I wrote looked like a one, so I thought somebody called 15. I wasn't thinking it was a raise of 15 to 55. So somebody could have had a bigger pair than us. That's the hesitation. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I still think I call, though. I still think I call, even if I realized it was a re raise, because it could have been, like you said, jacks, queens, or tens. Um, uh, it's a shame that we. Would have won, but you know, a lot of times it could have been kings or aces. There could have been a set of eights, you know, somebody could have easily called with a pocket eight set mining and then got it and saw that it was not wet, but it was five, seven, eight. Somebody could have pocket sixes for a draw or nines for a gutter or something. So, um, but yeah, it it sucks that you would have won. You didn't even need the queen in the end, you still would have won. Um, the ace king, the ace king shove is interesting, it's just like, okay, I'm gonna make you think I have an overpair.
0: But well, I mean, it's about a pot size bet at that point. So, I mean, I don't know what the proper bet would have been there for him. Um, I mean, he's in a tough spot there, I think. Oh, well, you're um,
2: ace-king. You just check. You missed it, you know? Yeah, but
0: but, but he was the he was the raiser. I mean, you got to represent a bigger hand there. I mean, if we go back when we talk about the fact that we both forgot that that raise was there, I mean, that does give credence to aces or kings at that point, right? So, I don't think you slow down there. I mean, that, that flop should not have hit anybody in his hands, so... It's different when you're reacting to that, that all-in shove rather than making the shove, right? So, yeah, yeah. So I mean, we weren't reacting to it, and then we had to, you know, think through the scenarios of both of these players. But when you're the first one to make that, that shove, and it's not an over-shove really, I and mean, it's slightly, but, I mean, it's the only realistic bet you have. I mean, you're not going to make uh, leave 20 dollars and bus fare behind, right? So um, it just kind of sucks at that point because, I mean, you probably shouldn't have raised pre-flop. I mean, that's one of those things I think you lost track of his own stack. Because, you know, I mean, if if he doesn't make that raise, that's $40 he saves there. So he still has 215 now. Um, and then you're not on the hook to make that, that seabed. You gotta, you gotta let us make that seabed, right? And react to it. Um, but it's weird because it's, and I think a lot of people would make this mistake. I'm certain I would make this mistake too. But once you make that $55 raise, you get those two calls. Now you're looking at a flopper. You've got to commit now. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you, you. I mean, we're not saying we're ABC players. We're probably not even AB players. But if you read the books, a lot of them will say that Ace King is a hand that's worth re-raising with. Um, and then oh, I know.
0: It's just losing track of your stack. Oh, you
2: know, yeah, I agree. But I mean, you still need to make that raise, you know, just because your stack isn't the right. You know, I mean, you are not going to shove with 210. So you still should play optimally, is to raise with it and then. You know, if he if he makes that play with Ace Ace, he's got six hundred dollars in front of him because everybody called him and was wrong. Sure. so I, I like you said, I, I, to me, I just would have, I just would have checked. You know, because under the gun, check to us, right? Because we we were under well, the yeah, gun. But,
0: but here's the thing: if you're Ace King in this spot, and this is a guy that's been at the table with us the entire time we've been there, we obviously are playing pretty well. I mean, our, our interpretation of ourselves is that our reputation is a strong player, right? And apparently sitting with 900 in front of us, it's hard to really doubt that too many people are going to think we're lucky. Um, So if, if that player who has just been solid the entire time raises under the gun, I don't know. I think you got to give some credit there to it, not being them getting out of line with four or five suited or something. So so well, my ace king, I'm not gonna be completely scared about uh I'm not gonna put it solidly on aces or kings, but um gotta give credence to that. So I mean I, I don't know. I think I might have I might have taken a flyer for the fifteen dollars and, and seen what the flop flop came up with there rather than raise. But I don't know. I don't, I, don't, area, right?
2: I don't disagree with you uh about the flyer and all that. What I will say is if you know uh Richie has this reputation of being a really strong player and he raises under the gun. And then now we knowing that and everyone else at the table, knowing that Richie's that good, we pop him. We're telling the world we have aces or Kings, or at least we have a really strong hand that could raise a very strong player under the gun, making a raise. We're saying we probably have aces or Kings, good which point. is probably why Richie folded yeah. because if Richie has this feeling, I can call him Richie, but I don't know. it could be rich. Um, <laughs> But if if Rich made this raise, all his friends
0: are gonna call him Richie now.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I did that <laughs> to you. But uh, uh, Cunningham. So I'm thinking, you know, hey, this guy's really good. He's got the table covered. He's crushing it. He hasn't lost a hand all night, as that guy once said. So now, I'm raising him, and Rich's got to be thinking, hey, I'm the strong player. I'm up. This guy's re-raising me pre-flop. He's got to have my. He might have my queens beat. And then, so I'm going to check to him after this flop. He's going to shove, and then I got another guy call in, and they all know that I'm a really good player, and I'm in this hand, and I called the raise. Oh, how are they calling and shoving and all this stuff around me? I'm Mister $900 here, so yeah, yep. I don't
0: yep. disagree well, course, with that
2: laydown, that laydown, you know. Yeah. I mean, earlier on in the discussion, well, I was yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a tough spot for everybody in, in this particular hand. Um, uh, the button too. i like, I don't know, should have probably thought a little bit more about that as well too but it's tough when you and you got that pocket pair and you've got that rainbow board that doesn't seem like it should to anyone it's really tough to think that your pair is not good
2: yeah. you know that 10 10 is lucky you know he got the the queens to fold by a mere call i think if the ten ten goes out of the way and your head's up with this guy maybe but even so that's the guy that made the re-raise of you with your yeah i don't think it really
0: changes much yeah, right i don't I mean, think it I don't does either know. I know Rich said that was the big thing that gave him the pause, but, you know, the way we've talked about this, I'm like, we're not really worried about the button at all. The button's like extra money. I mean, I'd like the button to be in there if they uh, show up for more because then, then I would at least have a side pot that I could have fallen back on.
2: But, yeah, yeah.
0: But really, I mean, I mean, the player I'm scared about is, is player six here, and so it doesn't matter there's another player in that. So my mind is still folded there. So, yes. um and really, yeah, at that point, I mean, if you didn't have that extra 160 in there, I'm like, that that's kind of the reason we were going to call, right? Yeah. Double the money in the pot. But this 175 against a player that we feel has been pretty good and raised us, you know, when we raised under the gun, yeah, that's a little tougher, I think. I think it was easier to make a call here because of the button. So,
2: yeah, because of pot odds. You know, at least there's more money in the middle to try to win rather than just doing it for fifty-fifty. Uh a tough spot. I don't really fault you for folding though. In the beginning, I was like, I'm gonna call easily because it's only gonna bring me down to like seven fifty if I'm wrong. You know, or seven seven hundred. You know, and I'm still up a bunch. Yeah. But.
0: that's what we talk about a lot. Once you build up, I mean, you don't want to get loose and splash around. But uh, when you have those those bullets at that point, I mean, that's when you start making those shots that you can't afford to make other places. So exactly that's when you multiply the the, the winnings. so i mean it's a bad day if you make that call two or three times and lose each time now you're back down to 300 that sucks but um, chances are you're going to win one of those and then you'll be able to fade two more right so yeah
2: yeah Uh, all right well uh thanks for sending that in it's uh it's always nice to have a situation i don't have to get a cramp writing out the hand of the week and trying to understand what scott's saying um, so, Scott, enjoy your turkey and your Star Wars, and I'll enjoy my turkey and my planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, you're going to love it.
2: All you right. Are. I'm Chris Cosenza.
0: And I'm We'll see you at the table.
1: Antioff is a production of AntioffMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntioffMagazine.com. If you'd like to advertise... Send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727 331 4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the PodSafe Music Network.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for 129 each, then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $249 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon